yo what is up y'all it is your host my name is kareem i also go by the name of keys and we are back with another episode of let's talk music so glad so glad so glad that you are here today because today is going to be a very special episode previously i talked about the importance of metadata in one of my previous episodes if you haven't listened to that Go back and listen to that before you listen to this. The reason why is because in that episode, I explain what metadata is. So in this part, which is basically like a part two, we get into a a further higher level discussion of metadata, its uses, and a really cool solution that I have brought to y'all, which is a way that you can utilize your metadata in a very, very effective way. So this episode comes with a special guest. I'll let him introduce himself once we get to his portion. Uh, But what I want to do is give you guys the rundown on, you know, what's new with me and what's been happening as far as Instagram goes. Um, You know, I'm still there, of course. Um, I do have a link in my bio for a release readiness quiz. If you have new music coming out, You want to make sure you take this quiz because it's designed to reveal if there are any holes in your operation, right? The sooner that you can figure out what these holes are, the the more time you're allowing yourself to figure it out and get these things together versus releasing it, having all types of issues that could have been prevented from the very beginning. So I highly suggest taking this quiz It is a huge help. 95% of the people that take this quiz end up finding something. If you think I'm lying, go to my Instagram, click the link in my bio, and take it. And even if you have something out existing, if you want to see how you really stacked up for that, take the quiz with uh, with that release in mind, and you'll be surprised what you find out. And if you have any questions about anything, let me know. So that's really it. That's my only announcement. Um... I am going to go ahead and introduce this guest here. His name is Angus Hayes. Angus runs a very, very neat platform um, that is a a tremendous help. And he's going to go ahead. I'm going to let him explain what he does, uh, who he is, what he created, his backstory, and why you should really get your shit together as far as metadata goes. Because what he has, game changer. So without further ado, hope you got your notepads ready. Hope you got your whatever ready to take notes. I'm going to go ahead and let Angus introduce himself and explain his story and what he's got for y'all. So hope you enjoy. My name is Angus Hayes. I'm uh, the CEO of a company called Harvest Media. Uh, We are a B2B distribution platform for primarily for the production music and and publishing market. and, and those kind of synchronizations for TV platforms. Uh, I've been in this role for the last 10 years. Um, a bit, a bit, bit about me personally, um, I've been working in and around the digital music space uh, since 2003. And uh, in the Australian market, I uh, launched a, a B2C digital download service, not unlike um, iTunes uh, before iTunes launched in the Australian market. So I, I kind of categorize myself as a, um, a quite a serial entrepreneur, but 
certainly um, someone that is interested in, um, you know, new ways of doing business and always looking a little bit further ahead to what's on the horizon as, as opposed to starting up a business like a, you know, a coffee shop, because we all know that coffee's been made for a long time. So, you know, I was really, um, you know, interested personally um, in things that were going on in the marketplace, like uh, peer-to-peer uh, music sharing, um, things like Napster and, 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 and really, um, I don't even know why, but I always had this idea that if you were someone that created, were, were creative, whether it's in music or a graphic artist, that you should always get paid for that. Uh, it was just kind of in me. Um, I didn't really, um, you know, so, so when I saw Napster, I was like, this isn't right, you know, and I saw that they were becoming a legitimate business, business model. And so I just kind of had this idea that, um, you know, there, there, there should be a legitimate business model for sharing of music files. Um, so that's kind of how, you know, personally, I, I started on, on this journey of, of getting into digital music space and, and looking at different business models in and around it. Um, I live here in Sydney, Australia. Um, I, I'm a father of two. Um, I'm married. Um, I, I surf most days of the week um, at, my, at my local surf break, which is called Manly. Um, yeah, and I've uh, born and raised in Australia. So I hope that gives you a little bit of an outline of who I am. Very nice. Have you ever been to the USA before? Yeah, a lot, actually. Um, yeah, particularly in the last 10 years. Um, I think I've been to the States uh, for business um, every year for, la- you know, since um, to, to, well, last, my last visit was t- uh, end of 2019. I was in LA. Um, before that, I figured um, that's where it was. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. And before that, ten, yeah, 10 years straight. And yeah, when I was, a, when I was a young, young kid in my early twenties, I certainly did a couple of uh, trips to, to New York and, um, and, and actually Canada as well, but not never been nice. to the, um, ever been to the West coast until I think 2009. And yeah. I spent a, quite a bit of time in Vegas and quite a bit of time in, in life. business okay nice 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 yeah it's not too shabby over here right <laughs> it's great yeah really really love really love la and i actually should throw in there too that um in between i've been to uh hawaii a couple of times because i always forget that's part of the states that, wow um, i've never love, been. i love hawaii yeah i've never been i'm so jealous but it's on my bucket list now let's talk <laughs> about let's talk about the foundations in the company like what really made you want to start you know your company Let's hear about that. Yeah, I think it goes right back. Uh, so, so I actually studied industrial design at university, which um, set me up for a career as a product designer. Um, and when I say product designer, like looking at, you know, designing cars or toasters mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. Um, you know, trains and, and um, pharmaceutical products. And, and, you know, around about this time when I was finishing university in, in I think, 99, um, you know, the internet was really starting to take off and, and it was pre, pre, uh, dot, dot, dot com, um, bubble, bubble b- bursting. Yeah. And what a and time I, to be so, alive. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. <laughs> and so I was kind of, I was kind of geared up, um, to do sort of, you know, physical products. But what I found is that, um, you know, my skill set was really transferable to the digital realm as well. And so, you know, there's, there's this sort of early, 
early adopters of, of websites and building websites. And I kind of find, found myself in that space and it was really the same process. And, and part of my, my thesis for, for university uh, was done in conjunction with Philips Electronics uh, doing a solid state um, uh, music player. Mm-hmm. So like an, an MP3 player. Uh, so, yeah. so, you know, as early as 99, 2000, I was, I was looking at these kind of, you know, ways of storing um, audio files on portable devices. Um, nice. So, you know, it goes back that far. And, um, and then, you know, fast forward to 2003, I, I mentioned before, I, I started going around to the record labels here in Australia and said, look, what I want to do is host your catalogue. Uh, but before that, even before that, is digitise your catalogue because no, no one really had the digital file. So, right. so I ended up in this situation where I signed a couple of deals, one with Festival Mushroom Records, another with um, EMI. I went out to sign V2 Records um, uh, and a whole host of um, other smaller in- independents, companies like um, mm-hmm. uh, Inertia Records as well. And, yeah. and uh, I ended up them sending me a, a lot of a lot of CDs, which I um, so I set up uh, some CD um, burners and and started digitising a lot of record labels catalogues. At the same time, um, I started to build a website uh, that um, could enforce copyright. So mm-hmm. early inception mm-hmm. of what was called digital rights management, which was based on the Windows Media Audio platform, so a WMA file. And, um, and really, I, I got um, authorised by the Australian Performing Rights Association. So they said, yeah, look, let's go ahead with this. Let's get you set up um, as a legitimate um, like web store for selling um, digital audio. And, and my job was to go and digitise those catalogues, as I mentioned before. And so effectively, I set up an e-commerce store uh, to sell music. And I did a partnership with a couple of MP3 player providers. So I kind of created that ecosystem that uh, Apple did so well. Yeah. So would you consider yourself a pioneer? uh, No, 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 not, not at all. No, no. I, um, there was a couple of these kind of things going on in the States. I think Napster had already turned to a legitimate model by this point. There was, um, but for where you were, it was, yeah, where, well, where I was, there was one or two companies that um, had kind of partnered with some, bricks and mortar, uh, mm-hmm. record, uh, record stores. Yeah. And, and some, and, and, but they were all like kind of, you know, corporates well-funded and were setting this up. Uh, so I kind of did it. I think I was the first, like, like a little guy that just went, I don't have a crack at this. So in, yeah. in that respect, yes, I was completely self-funded nice. and, um, and, and, you know, my side gig was, um, e-commerce store. So I was working with a lot of brands, um, here domestically in, in Australia and that was funding, the build and and the on ongoing until this business got up on its feet and and then I think you know progressively what was happening is um, iTunes was rolling out in mm-hmm. territory by or region by region around the world and uh, they launched here and really you know I kind of got run over the top uh, almost overnight you know because I was self funded and they came in with um, a heavy heavy a heavy marketing yeah uh, you know heavy hitters in terms of marketing and yeah and so what um, what, you know, I'd built a, built a, I had a lot of contacts inside the, um, record labels by this point. And I started to look at my business differently. I needed to, um, and I picked up a contract, um, at this point with, uh, 
with a local uh, network called Foxtel, which is one of the mm-hmm. bigger pay TV providers here. And what yeah. they were doing was consuming a lot of music in the edit suite um, when they were doing promos for TV, sports casting, um, you know, pr- any kind of promotional activity around the actual broadcast. And mm-hmm. they were receiving catalogs of music um, not necessarily commercial music, but this is when it starts to tip into the production music side of things. Mm-hmm. They, were, they had um, littered in their 20-odd production editing suites were hard drives. And they and so their mandate to me after seeing our website was I wanted, they wanted to get rid of all the hard drives and they wanted to replace that with an aggregated web interface. And um, myself and my new business partners at this point, Hamish Dyer and, and Roll and Helene, um, we had we had good knowledge of ingestion processes, good good knowledge of metadata, good knowledge of audio files and different yeah. formats, and also the ability to uh, do really what was early cloud storage for for audio and distribution, and then couple that with the web interface, uh, a, a user experience that was accessible to the target audience, yeah. um, well well branded and 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 accessible. So so. Clients could get on there, search for music, listen to it, build playlists, download it, and and really um, start using that music yeah. in a in a meaningful way. So I'm still gonna say that you were a pioneer, man. You 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 were <laughs> you were you were definitely ahead of the game where you were. You saw the vision, you knew where things were going, and you were executing on it. You get what I'm saying? So. Uh, I like that right there just breeds pioneer to me. Now, when did Harvest Media actually get its like real start? Yeah. Yes. Good question. So, so I think we started working with Foxtel uh, around 2006 and, uh-huh. and through, through that engagement and, and really organizing a lot of the um, uh-huh. record labels catalogs into a digital format, we started to see this bigger picture uh, around the world of the sharing of specifically production music catalogs right. and how, and how these moved around the world globally. And there was two fundamental relationships going, going on in, in this sharing of content. There was what, what the terminology is original publisher. So that's a catalog owner and it could be someone like EMI, um, or, you know, or Sony or universal. It could also be a very small player, like someone who might have, you know, a hundred CDs in their in their catalog. Right. What they what these um, parties do is, um, they you know they might be based in LA, they could be based in London. They don't have the marketing reach to um, really monetize those catalogs globally. So what they do is they seek out um, sales and marketing relationships in foreign territories uh-huh. or what, or what is termed as sub publishing relationships. Okay. So you've got, you've got the original publisher who, who really owns the catalog or yeah. organizes a bunch of um, composers to write and curate a specific style of catalog. It uh-huh. could be crime. It could be a general catalog. It could be, um, it could be um, Samba. It could be, um, you know, it could be jazz. Um, and then they, then then they uh, share that catalog and set up a relationship with a sub-publisher who might represent them. If they're based in London, they might be looking for a relationship uh, with someone in Australia to really sell and market that catalog into the Foxtel relationship. 
Gotcha. Okay, so what we saw there was an opportunity um, because it was done in a very elementary way. Effectively, they were sending CDs in packages around the world to each other, okay? And, and it was really cumbersome. Um, and ironically or otherwise, where, where our office was based was one of these sub-publishers. Uh-huh. Uh, so it was a company called Big Bang and Fuzz. They were actually on exactly the same floor, and we used to see them uh, sort of walk past uh, our office with a big trolley full of CDs, yeah. like almost every day, and they were on their way to the post office um, to send those those CDs to Foxtel and all the other local broadcasters and TV production houses based here, based here in Australia. So we yeah. tapped them on the shoulder and said, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" You know, so <laughs> and we told them how how we how we'd done this B two B service, how we were working with Foxtel, and yeah, and we we sat down with them, and um, and that and uh, the owner of that business, um, a guy called Andrew Jones, uh, who owned Big Bang and Fuzz. He gave us a lot of a lot of insight into this original publisher publisher uh, type mm-hmm. arrangement, and mm-hmm. and really that was the genesis. So that we really kicked off um, to answer your question, um, kicked off around 2010, and and the business has really been going seriously um, from that first digitization and sharing of catalog from original publisher to sub publisher uh, from 2010 to today until today. Wow, that's so magical! Like you literally. <laughs> you literally seen what somebody else was going through and then saw the opportunity in that because of how things were going at that particular time. And you kind of just jumped on that opportunity and seized that moment. That's, that's phenomenal. Now, like fast forward, what, what services are now offered by, by Harvest Media? Yeah. Yeah. So it feels like only yesterday that, um, you know, we, we set up uh, Big Bang and Fuzz and, and we started delivering catalogs from all over the world to into their web infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's just grown from there. So really, typically what we do uh, and, you know, we're, we're delivering uh, well in excess of one and a half million copyrights into Big Bang and Fuzz which has now been acquired by BMG, so Bertelsmann Music Group mm-hmm. um, in Germany. And um, so, yeah, so we, we're aggregating well in excess of 300 catalogs and delivering them into the Asia-Pacific region, which is really what Big Bang Fuzz has become with BMG. Yeah. So what we're offering globally um, to original publishers is the ability to ingest their catalog uh, with a with a very defined set of metadata and share that to all their sub-publisher relationships around the world. Mm-hmm. So not only Australia, they're also seeking representation in South Africa, in Scandinavia, in Romania, in Hungary, in Italy, in the UK, in North yeah. America, in Canada, yeah. in, in South America. So, so a typical original publisher might share anywhere, we might have anywhere between 12 and 30 sub-publishers around the world who represent uh-huh. their catalogue. Uh-huh. And we're enabling that connectivity um, with the click of a button on our web infrastructure to make sure that they can get their metadata and their audio to those sub-publishers. And really, that's that's the baseline service of what we offer. Um, and then on top of that, we offer apps. So that original publisher might do their own marketing and selling. So if they're based in the UK, um, we provide them with a website that has embedded search, Mm -hmm, the ability mm -hmm. to stream audio and listen to 
the ability to build playlists, the ability to download in three different formats. So it might be a lossless wave, a uh, high resolution MP3 and a format. And then we're doing some really neat things with the embedding of data to the headers of those files. So um, without getting too technical, Right. We, we, yeah, we're, we're offering some really cool uh, web apps that let our clients, the catalog owners, engage with their clients. Uh, and so, once again, it's so that they can exploit their catalogs. And just to mention our clients' clients, uh, TV production, uh, broadcasters, um, TV advertising agencies, anyone that's looking for music to use in video, whether it's short form, TV advertising, um, TV programming, so series-based, and then, you know, feature films, motion picture, et cetera. So, yeah, the, the services that we're offering uh, is that base-level distribution, um, apps, and then APIs as well, so you can build custom experience on top of that. Uh, uh, and then the final service that we're offering is this um, integrations into partner networks. So we're integrated with organisations that deliver into, say, Netflix, or into Disney, or into uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Viacom in, in North America. In the UK, we're delivering into Sky, into BBC. And then that scenario is repeated globally around the world. Uh, and it's all aimed at um, taking the burden of the catalogue administration off the rights holder. Uh, I follow, I follow. So out of all of those services, which one would you say is a crowd favourite amongst all of your subscribers? Well, it's definitely the baseline, that distribution baseline one. one. Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. I would think so too, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, um, and I, you know, I think there's a, a question further down the track here, but certainly it's a good way for a small catalogue to get up and running and see, uh, see what their reach can be uh, and, yeah. and to look at opportunities that are well beyond their reach in, mm-hmm. in their day-to-day. You know, if you're based in L.A., and suddenly you're picking up um, business opportunities in Denmark uh, and, and getting paid for it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's a big deal because like somebody who wants exposure outside of their immediate area, I mean, here's an opportunity to, like you said, you know, take a lot of that burden off of the original publisher to get exposure in other areas. So like, I, I totally agree with that. No, like, how does the how does the the company aim to set itself apart from others in this space? Like, what makes you unique? You know. Yes. Yeah, so, at at its core, and you know, once again, it's it's fundamentally the distribution aspect. So, yeah. When when we when a, a publisher shares its catalog, um, say from London to Australia, I'll use that as the mm-hmm. example. It's a really efficient distribution. We're not we're not actually moving the audio file anywhere. We're we're, we're simply sharing it, um, and and that keeps costs really optimized. Where competitors in our market space act, actually duplicate the audio file to make it accessible, and and in fact others don't even do the underlying distribution. They they're these kind of disconnected silos around the world. So where we're really good. Is this, in, is this global interconnectivity that we can uh, enable through through the Harvest Media platform. And uh, it really sets up, you know, like I use the example of Big Bang Fuzz as well. Like we've got sub-publishers all around the world. Like I'll use another example, uh-huh. Conga Music based in Barcelona in Spain. 
Yeah. Uh, so we're delivering about 800,000 copyrights to them. So what that means is, is we're delivering in excess of 200 catalogs. Now, if they were having to organize and upload and redo data themselves, they just never get to it. So, so what we're doing is before they even receive the catalog, it's all been, uh, all the metadata has been defined in a certain, in a certain way. Um, all the audio is delivered in a specific format. And so when Conga Music receives it, they literally don't have to do anything except get on with marketing and selling the content. Pre-harvest media, in the way that some of our competitors do it, they're receiving content from a variety of different standards, a variety of different audio formats, and it just creates headaches on both sides of the camp. So yeah. that's how we differentiate ourselves. And, and certainly being a global business uh, based here in Sydney, Australia, like less than 2% of our business is here, 98% of it's offshore. So we're truly a global business. Mm, okay. Okay. And then a lot of my, a lot of my listeners, they, some may understand the importance of metadata, but then mm. some may not necessarily understand the importance of metadata and how far it can take you. So if you could just, take a step to the fundamentals right there, you know, can you explain yeah. how important metadata is for the growth of an artist? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Without metadata uh, on a, you know, in, in a, in, in this global marketplace where there's a lot of competing publishers and production music catalogs without the metadata, you, you won't get found. Um, you won't be identified and you will not get paid. So I, I would say, and I've heard that, um, you know, from, from, and I, when I say I've heard, you know, anecdotes like multiple times from publishers and clients saying the, the metadata is as important as the audio file itself, as, as important as the composition, because you, you simply can't be found without the metadata. So, you know, what I, the way I break it down is into really three, three pillars uh, mm-hmm. of the metadata. Yeah, so when you look at our, at our metadata standard, the first one is the descriptors. So that's like the genre, the keywords, the categorization, the style. That, that describes what the music is. So when someone's looking for you on a search engine, either your own or when you're being um, uh, sub-published in another territory around the world or someone's trying to find you in Netflix or in Disney, that's how you get found. So someone's typing in big wave surfing and you're not tagged as big wave surfing yet. You've got a really, you know, high energy feel to your music. And then you're, you're missing an opportunity on the descriptor side. The next one, um, the next pillar is the, um, rights holders. So that's your composer publisher splits. So there's, you know, the, 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 the ownership part mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. there's the, the composers and the performers. So inside Harvest Media, we've got really, really cool um, composer-publisher splits uh, across the data. So that means that, um, you know, if you get a usage, once again, inside BBC or Netflix, and they they submit what's called a cue sheet to their local performing rights organisation, or even if they have a direct deal with the right holder, they're they're submitting good data. So when it comes out the back end after a usage in promo or TV production, and they're submitting their usage sheets, um, they're able to ultimately do the distribution to that right holder and get right. them paid. Right. Um, right. They're the right holders. And then, and then the third pillar is identified. So that's ISRC, ISWC, tune codes for regions around the world um, where you might have your, your work registered in specific 
you know, so so in um, Germany, it's a Gemma code. In the UK, it's a, yeah. it's a tune code. Um, so wherever you're exploiting your works, you need these codes registered. So once again, they can be matched uh, against the right holder and you can get paid out the back end. So that's how I kind of break down the, the importance of the metadata. Um, and, and look, it is uh, particularly in the product-to-music space where, you know, you're... Um, you're not a household name, you know, uh, like a commercial artist might be. So when when someone's doing a sync for a commercial artist, you know, I think the metadata is slightly less important because someone goes, you know, I want that song um, by that commercial artist and they know exactly what they're looking for and what they need to do in that situation is go and find the publisher to seek out clearance. Right, exactly. In the production music space, it's incredibly important. And what we're seeing in the last couple of years is this trend now towards artist-driven catalogs. So even then, if you're a commercial artist, you still need really good metadata. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, just for the people listening, it sounds like this is very high level, but at the, at the very root of all of this, it's really not because all that metadata that he's talking about can simply be applied literally at the moment of export when it comes to your file and pro tools or whatever digital audio workstation it is that you choose to use. I mean, it's very essential information that's going to make a huge heck of a difference on the business side of things, you know, from just from like a creative side of things, you know, the information may not mean that much to you because it came from you and, you know, that's made, that may be all, all is important to you, but at the end of the day, if you have bigger uses for the music, which you should, you know, if you come into this, if you come into the business or you say that you're a part of the business and you intend on using your music for greater purposes, then having that metadata in place and having it correct is highly, 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 highly important. Now, Angus, I know on the website, there's a demo, right? There's like a, you can get a free demo and you can trial the software, I believe. What exactly does a person get when they sign up in that demo? Yeah, sure, sure. So, so, so we, we have a freemium entry point mm-hmm. and we also have, we also have the ability to trial certain services as well. Right. So, so the freemium entry point is really, it's called connect and it's this, it's this ability to, uh, to prepare your metadata and your wave audio files and bring them into the harvest media cloud cloud service and then share with sub publishers around the world. So we, we offer the ability to upload two and a half thousand audio files and share with six sub publishers and it's free for all time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really um, our way of saying, Hey, we're supporting this industry and what we're looking to do big or small is, is give people uh, with a production music catalog or an artist driven catalog or, a, or a set of, a set of um, publishing rights, the ability to get out there and see if they, if their catalog resonates around the world with sub publishers. So what we'll do, and we're almost like a dating service, if you like, <laughs> we, um, we, we, we'll say, okay, so it, I, ha- I had this call um, with a guy called Jeremy in LA just, just last uh, week. He's been, uh, he's been working on his catalog for a couple of years and he set up a call and I got the sense that he feels like he's ready to move, you know? Um, and um, he, you know, so I told him about the free account and I said, look, what we can do, because he doesn't know anyone in the sub-publishing world. We right. know everyone in the sub-publishing world. Right. You put five or six companies in, in South Africa, same with every other territory around the world. So he said, let's go after the big markets first because you've got six free shares 
Um, so let's let's see, let's introduce you. What you need is a is to sh be able to showcase your catalog. So you need some some kind of sizzle reel. It could be in the form of placements, YouTube links, this kind of thing. It could just be um, some SoundCloud links. It could also be on one of our search apps as well. So mm -hmm. you know you need it's it's like putting your best foot forward, saying this is what my catalog's about. And and so when we introduce you to that sub publisher, um, they can have a listen and they can get a feel for exactly how good you are as a composer, how good you are as a publisher, um, and what 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 you're what you're driving at with your catalog. And so what the reason we'll do that and we'll do some introductions and we quickly see whether or not it's a good quality catalogue because they, they, they pick up the relationships um, quite quickly. Others require a bit more work. Great. And then the reason we go after the bigger territories first is because of the, the way that the performing rights societies are set up is you get paid eventually. Um, right. you know, so, but it can be anywhere between six and 18 months. So this is really a slow yeah. burn, you know, so that's why one of the other reasons we offer the free is we, we get the guys in there, we do the introductions, and then they start seeing some revenue anywhere between six and 18 months. And then from that point, they start feeling more confident, more engaged about starting to invest in not only in themselves, but in the Harvest Media infrastructure and maybe adding an application, start doing the shares into other platforms and integrations where they can get more exposure for their catalogue. So that's the that's the starting point. But then we also offer trials, one month trials on any of our search apps, mm -hmm. so that you can um, use it, get a feel for how it works, start registering your your domestic users, and and seeing if they're building playlists, and see if if the search algorithm works for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's sweet. That's sweet. And I, I like what you said that it's a slow burn because what I like to tell a lot of artists is that. If you're going to play this game, you have to understand that you are playing it for the long term, period. You know, like you can't expect overnight results when it comes to this because of all the different channels that things need to go through, the different hands that your music needs to touch for it to get to where it is that you intend for it to go to. So you have to understand that things aren't going to happen right away. But there are services like yours out there that will make sure that with the right network that they have, that your intended goal is received and executed. So if I were to like sign up right now for the platform, are there any additional resources that can help me get started in the right direction, like a knowledge base? Because like, what if I sign up and I just don't even know where to get started? Is there somewhere that, somewhere that I can get help of some sort? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting based here in Australia. We work across every single time zone around the world. Nice. Um, and, and we, we've got, we've got a sales and support, um, representative in London, in the UK. So that gives us a little bit of a span. Nice. So, so to your point, um, in here in Sydney, we've got an account management team of four people and, and they are routinely, um, receiving, uh, you know, in particular at the startup phase, uh, we've got a metadata template that we send out, and we, what we do is we say nice. to we say to the we say to the publisher, just just complete one album of metadata and send it through. Uh, and what we'll do is we'll check it and we'll make recommendations and try and optimize your investment of time in that. And and really we do that because it it can be quite like it's it does raise the bar for a lot of people in terms of mm -hmm. getting their metadata ready. Some, some of them take, take, take to it really easily. Others find it challenging. And that's why we just focus on getting one album done 
to begin with. And, and so the, the account management team is really engaged on a one-to-one basis at that point. Some need, some need, need more handholding than others. Um, and, and the ones that um, require less, we have a whole um, online database uh, of help, help documentations and tutorials. So, you know, screen-based, video-based, text-based um, that supports the whole process as well. So as soon as, as soon as we got someone, their account set up and their first uh, album ingested, um, we start to take the training wheels off. Um, we're, of course, we're there to support it, but generally speaking, once they've got that, the, the, the principles down pat um, and whether they've got 10 albums or 100, um, we, we just, we're just sitting there in a the background capacity. And then what we do is we check in with them after a month, after two months, after three months, just mm-hmm. to make sure that their sub-publishers are set up correctly and that mm-hmm. their distribution's happening. And, and then we kind of sit back and, um, you know, it's, and, and let it happen. Yeah. There's an interesting point that you brought up there that a lot of people, you know, some people get it and then some people need a little bit more of an extra, you know, a little, a little bit of an extra boost when it comes to having their metadata in order. Is that something that you find more common than less? Because I feel like metadata is one of those things that's not too openly talked about, you know? It's one of those things yeah. where, you know, we know that it's important, but you know, to an artist that's just starting out or somebody that may be a little bit more on the established end of things, that might not be one of the things that's at the forefront of their mind. So do you find that, that, you know, there's a little bit more getting people to understand the importance of it? Because like, I'm pretty sure when they land on your platform, they know, okay, like this is probably somewhere that I need to be, but that doesn't Mm. necessarily mean that you have everything ready because now that you found this next step to take you to the next level. So, you know, it's good that yeah. you, it's good that your platform, you know, you really support a lot of those people that are in that stage so that they understand how to take mm. themselves to the next level. So I'm not yeah. sure if you fully explained what happens during the demo. So like, if I sign up for the demo, is there some type of um, like a, an agenda or a series of events that happens when you sign up for a demo? Yeah. So yeah, if we're doing a demo uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's in this, in this uh, COVID world that we're living in. Um, but even before, like it wasn't a big change in our workplace. We, we do a lot of zoom calls uh, nice. Nice. Ar- around the world. And, and so, and, you know, become very adept at the sweet spots, what people are looking for. Um, so we generally do an overview of the admin side. So we show them the underlying workflows of that sharing aspect yeah. Um, so if they're, if they're a sub publisher, we try and show the power of that aggregation, the ability to aggregate a lot of catalogs to their okay. account. Okay. If you're on the original publisher side of things, we, we show the power of getting your catalog from, from yourself out to many sub publisher locations around okay. the world. And, and, okay. and we, and we give them a glimpse of that sub publisher world because that database exists around the world. So if you, you know, if I type in Greece, for example, you'll mm-hmm. see all the opportunities in Greece and it's extensive. And, and so, you know, we show them how easy it is to get your catalog in and share it or receive it. That's the base yeah. level once again. And then generally we, we like to, you know, we like to show some of the, the prettier things as well. So we do some really nice user interface, user experience on the client facing side of things. So that's, you know, where um, a rights holder might be talking to a TV production house like HBO or, nice. um, you know, or CMC. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, what does the branded aspect look like? 
So, um, you know, how does the search algorithm look? How does it mm. look to build a playlist? What's the mem member registration process look like? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, how quickly from where does the, does the um, and this is a performance is a big part of this as well. So once they type in your web URL, um, how quickly does the web page load? Um, when they do a search, how quickly do the search? When I click play to sample something, how quickly do I hear audio? Um, and then when I want to download something, whether it's a track, an album, or a playlist, how quickly does it package up that album or playlist to download it in my browser? So we're really trying to impress the um, you know the potential new client on the performance of our of our network as well, which. Um, we've got distributed around the world mm -hmm. and um, we've, we've been optimizing for 10 years and, we, and we're based on the Amazon web platform. Mm -hmm, it certainly mm -hmm. gives us a breadth of opportunity to, to deliver a high-performance service. Yeah, and I, I, I totally stand behind it 100% because in a lot of the, with a lot of the clients that I work with, I don't think that their minds are fixated on tapping into markets outside of the States. And I think that that's a short shot for them because who's to say that, you know, your greatest fans aren't in Greece or somewhere in that sub Asia area, you know, and it's just great to know that there's a service out there that's willing to help them reach those areas via that their particular network. So uh, just on behalf of all, all the artists that are out here in the States that aren't thinking, thinking that way, I'm going to say thank you because that's, that's a big deal. You know, uh, if I was an artist, I was still, you know, writing music and recording music myself. I'd sign up right after this interview to be truthfully honest <laughs> with you, to be truthfully honest with you, because, you know, when it comes to this whole artistry thing, it doesn't necessarily matter if literally like even in the digital age, um, one of the gifts, the biggest gifts of the digital age is you don't need to be popular in your immediately surrounding area. You don't need, you don't even need to be popular. You know, like I'm here in New Jersey, which is on the East coast. Uh, so like, I don't even need to be popular on the West coast out in LA. Like I can be popular literally anywhere. And yeah. a service like this is going to allow me to, to, to extend that. So, you know, that's pretty cool. Now, what can we expect in the future? Like what, what, I mean, you don't have to tell us all the secrets that are in the vault right now, but what's, what's coming down the pipeline. What can we expect from this platform as it grows? Yeah. Well, I think one thing uh, that well, I'll, I'll mention three things. Uh, I think the first one is more integrations. Uh, so, so, and what I mean by that is, is looking at getting our rights holders content and catalogs into more broadcast environments into mm -hmm. more tv production environments mm -hmm. uh, we know um that you know the ott the streaming services around the world whether it's you know hbo max or, mm -hmm. or disney plus or um yeah there, there's there's a huge investment in like never never seen before in tv for example of yeah. of uh, new, new, new tv production and with that comes opportunities for rights holders to exploit their catalogs and get synchronizations in wow you know, in, in what, wild. you know so <laughs> so that's that's a big that's a big short term that's kind of an immediate focus for us you know whether it's a, it could be a um, you know setting up integrations which we're doing at the moment into german broadcasters um and and into into the uk as well into we're redeveloping one into the bbc 
um, yeah. and we've got Scott uh, B Sky B as well. So certainly that's that's a big push for us, particularly um, backtracking to, to the um, TV production. Yeah. The next the next thing that is kind of in the near term and, and already happening is and it, and it comes around the metadata piece as well. Is this the emergence of um, artificial intelligence? Oh, that's big. Um, that's big. So, so there's some there's some really cool services and cool startups, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we're engaged with and already integrated with that. Uh, um, you know, in, on the metadata preparation side, uh-huh. uh, they're they're listening to the audio file and they're suggesting tagging for the descriptors of of your of your audio. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you can imagine, um, you know, if you've got a, uh, even a small catalog, it removes that burden of having to describe your music and, and manually create those tags. So I think that's a really interesting piece on, on, in terms of using AI to reduce admin overhead and the, yeah, and the I, catalog, I agree. catalog preparation. Uh, and then there's AI on the discovery side as well. Uh-huh. So you'll see now on some of our services and we've just launched, um, two clients, uh, one in Poland and one in Spain, um, where you can on our, on our application. So that could be, you know, someone coming from a Polish TV network. Um, and they've, they've got a, they've got a track that they've heard on YouTube or an MP3 file. You can dump that into our search bar or one of our search apps uh-huh. and, and we'll scan that file and listen to it. So it could be, you know, it could be um, a jazz, a jazz track, or um, or a jazz video on YouTube. Uh-huh. And what it'll do is it'll go and scan a catalog that's got eight hundred thousand tracks, and it'll and it'll basically put together a playlist of 20, 20 results that sound similar to that YouTube link or that MP three file. Wow! And the the um, this tech that uh, so we've got our we've got our own tech, uh, and we've also integrated with a with a um, uh, Czech, Czech uh, from the Czech Republic, a company there, a company called Ames API, uh-huh. um, and our and our own tech is called Evoke, um, and we're selling either because they're both integrated within our within the Harvest Media platform. Yeah, and um, that that technology in terms of discovery um, is in music discovery and reducing. You know, if you're a music supervisor and you quickly want to put together a playlist from a seed YouTube link or a seed MP3 file. Right. It can turn around results really quickly and they are they're quite phenomenal, really. It's uh it's interesting. <laughs> I took the words right out of my mouth. I was gonna say phenomenal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so there two there are a couple of things. Um, you know, and then I think um, you know, beyond that, um it's it, you know, look and and I'm not even there yet, but I think at yeah. some point we, you know, be talking about blockchain and and these oh. different ways of right right holders, yeah. you know, maintaining these agreements in perpetuity. So when you're talking about the use of the track, um, you know, so there's the obviously the mechanical, so the upfront, and then there's the performance. Right. The blockchain will, I think, will inevitably help manage those relationships because the really interesting thing I saw recently was um, uh, Dawson's Creek. You know. Um, uh. Uh, I, I can't remember, maybe five seasons or, or less in the late 90s. Now, the music agreements uh, for, for the, the syncs that were done against that were only for five years. Right. Now, you'll find Dawson's Creek on streaming platforms now, and what's happening is you've got this thing called reversioning and, and indeed even international reversioning where a lot of the, the um, tracks need to be swapped out. And this is where you really start to learn about how important music is 
to the whole experience in TV. Because once you change a track, particularly if you're looking at it from, you know, with your nostalgic glasses on and the, and the music's different, it completely changes the whole yes. engagement. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so underpinning that is the arrangement and the licensing arrangements around music with TV need to stand a test of time, particularly with streaming services, because, you know, we're all looking back at our favorite TV shows when we were growing up and certainly kids now who are watching TV, like whether it's Ginny and George or whatever it is on, you know, yeah. on Netflix, they're going to be all the vampire diaries, right? And they're going to be looking back in 10 years time. We're going to want to watch that stuff. And if the music's yeah. changed, they're going to be going, yeah, what we're happened? Look, right. We're yeah. looking for it to be the same exact thing to give us the feel that we experienced when, you know, it was a popular thing for us. And like you said, if it changes, that's going to throw us all the way off and it's going to diminish that experience. So it's important to have some type of system in place to kind of keep all of that consistent. So, wow. Yeah, no, excellent point. <laughs> excellent point. You know, those are things that people don't even think about, you know, and like you said, blockchain and just all this new technology is just making all these things apparent that we never even thought of before as far as the limitations for music go. So kudos, kudos to you for just being ahead of the curve and, and seeing and seeing those transitions coming our way and figuring out how to provide solutions for that. So awesome, awesome. And one of my very, very last questions that I always like, like to ask my guests when they come up here, was my personal favorite question is, you know, what impression or imprint do you particularly plan to leave in this music space? What's yeah? What's your well, I think it goes, yeah, I think it goes right back to how I got into it in the first place. This, this yeah. um, almost like just, uh, just in, 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 just my own insight, just knowing that that creative process was worth mm -hmm. something. Yeah, for that's sure. The, that's, that's the core of it. So like I said, you know, whether it's writing a book or, if you're a graphic artist or whether you're a, uh, you know, a furniture designer or, or whether you're a composer of music that, that we as harvest media have provided a platform that gives those right holders the ability to get paid wherever that music is used around yeah. the world. And, and not just for today, but also for tomorrow as well, you know, through, so our, our job and what our legacy is to, is to make sure that, anything that we do um, and anywhere the metadata and that audio file goes around the planet is that ultimately the bright holder can get paid, not just today, but also into the future. That's beautiful. <laughs> truly, truly, truly beautiful. Truly amazing. Uh, I'm so glad to have had this conversation with you and learn more about what it is that your company has to offer because it really is truly amazing and i want as many people to know about it as possible you know just even just simply for the fact that it's going to expose them to newer markets that they normally wouldn't have exposure to so you know i'm so grateful i'm grateful that you exist and thank you so much for all your time now where where can people, you know, outside the website, is there any social media platforms where anyone can follow maybe a LinkedIn 
you know, where they can, where can people get updates? You know, what's the easiest way for people to stay tapped in and tuned in to what you have going on? Yeah, sure. So we're quite active on LinkedIn uh, because we're a business platform. Of and course. There's a lot of rights holders that have engaged with LinkedIn as well. Uh, so we've got an extensive network there and we're, we're often publishing, um, you know, new client releases, new hires, new bits of technology that we're doing. Uh, we're also on uh, on Instagram as well. So we'll nice. do a lot of our, you know, our prettier front-end UI stuff um, mm-hmm. releases there and it often has a, a, a direct back to LinkedIn as well. And then, of course, our website, which is harvestmedia, www.harvestmedia.net. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're really the three pre-engagements. But aside from that, it's, it's, it's word of mouth uh, that keeps us sustained and keeps us growing. Yeah, and uh, trust me, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk a heck of a whole lot about you now after this. Thanks, <laughs> because, yeah, for sure. Because I want as many people to know about this opportunity as possible. Because there's so many people who have no idea that this exists. You know, especially here over here, over here in the states. You know, when it comes to the artist mindset over here, I think that they're really only thinking really small term when it comes to their music. So you know, to be able to go global with what they're doing is that's major and literally in order to get started in that process all they have to do is go to your website and sign up you know so it's it's a that's a big deal you know that's a that's a really big deal and i'm always i'm always 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 uh a huge scout for services and products that can really help artists take their sound and their music to levels that, you know, they may not have even have fathomed. So, you know, and like you said, just keeping that original composition alive and, you know, whatever intent that that person had originally providing an avenue for them to be able to keep that going far beyond what their original intent was. So, you know, I thank you for that. And, and I appreciate you being, you know, being up here and, and just, just giving, lending your time to be able to talk about this. Yeah, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks for the really cool questions. Appreciate it. (laughs) Of course, of course.